you know, channel partners, analyst firms, investors, mm. insurance companies. I'm hearing that my CISA, you know, my leadership team is talking to channel partners. Who are channel partners? Like what I saw was just a sea of, of abbreviations. Cybersecurity is not a, a vertical, it's a horizontal. So security touches every industry, every type of customer. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Cybersecurity Stand-Up. Um, it's 2024, and this year is barreling by so fast already. There is so much happening, both in the worlds of the threat landscape, but very exciting also in the world of cyber literature. So I have a very exciting guest with me today, um, Ross Hallelujah, the author of the, I should say, best-selling author of the new book, Cyber for Builders, is here with me today. Um, Ross, most people have probably heard of you at this point, but for those of us who haven't, can you give us a little intro about yourself and also talk about what your book is about? So as you've said, I'm Ross. Uh, I'm a head of product at Lima Charlie, and I also do a bunch of different things outside of it. So as you've said, I recently published a book, uh, Cyber for Builders, which I'm fortunate to say have become an Amazon bestseller, but transparently it all it takes to become an Amazon bestseller is to get as many people as possible to buy the book at the same time for, for several days or weeks if you, if you can do it. So it's not like I don't feel like that's the biggest accomplishment in terms of writing that I, that I have so far. I think I'm much more proud of the fact that I have a very active blog called Venture Insecurity. And uh, that blog has been around for the past several years. And as of today, it has just over 10,000 subscribers. And the reason I say I'm much more proud of that, because in cybersecurity, if you can convince people to input their email, you've, you've achieved a lot. You've achieved a lot. Yeah. So I've been, I've been quite fortunate in that, in that, that regard. Yeah. Huge congrats on that. I mean, I feel like the, the best-selling author, you know, uh, congratulations is also like congrats on writing a book that is so much work like hopefully the you know the best-selling author stats make you feel like people are paying attention and things but oh my gosh the work that goes into that must be incredible I've definitely cheated yes I did uh, I have used some of my blog writings as a foundation uh, upon upon which uh, to you know to to expand and and sort of write write more uh, and uh, it I've been fortunate because I was able to sort of test different different ideas and different problem problem areas and then sort of combine them all together the ones that I knew are going to resonate with people and the ones that I knew have not really been. Uh, highlighted in some of the other literature out there. So that that has been has been quite cool. Smart. I don't know if that's cheating. That just seems like strategic writing. At, at its core, just about cheating. Like if you're looking for the strategic for the competitive advantage, you're essentially looking for a way to, you know, to cheat and to 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 get out, you know, of having to compete in the red option market. No, I, I mean in all seriousness, I think like it has been a very, a very uh a very good experience just uh, getting the book together and th the feedback so far from people has been has been absolutely fantastic i think i got i got fortunate because the reason i decided to write the book at the first place was primarily because i i came to understand that there is not like the, there is there are many books and there is a lot of literature about you know how to secure your company how to you know how to uh decide what uh what technical uh, security measures to put in place, and so on and so forth. There is a lot about risk and compliance and different compliance standards. But what there is very little of 
is writing and just knowledge base about building cybersecurity startups and building companies in general. And so that's yeah. that's uh, exactly sort of the area that, that that my book is is covering. So it is called Cyber for Builders: The Essential Guide to Building a Cybersecurity Startup, and it is intended as as a guidebook for anybody interested in. Uh, getting an understanding of the business side of, of the of the cybersecurity industry, meaning getting an understanding of uh, what are the different players in this space, you know, channel partners, analyst firms, investors, mm. insurance companies, how the, the government, like the public sector, how do they all fit together? How do they all interact? Like what are the different incentives that shape? their behavior, doing a deep dive into the different trends that shape the uh, the present and the future of the cybersecurity industry, and also talking about how to build a cybersecurity company, how to handle the ideation, how to, you know, have to look at the uh, go-to-market strategy, how to build the product, how to validate uh, the problem space, like all of that cool stuff. I have to say that my copy is arriving tomorrow and I'm so mad because I would have loved to have dived into it before this interview. But so I would love to hear who is your, like, who is the intended audience? Because hearing about how much material you're covering there, I feel like anyone who is already in or trying to get into the industry could benefit by reading that. Who, who is your sort of intended audience, ideally? Pretty similar to whatever cybersecurity startup is trying to, is trying to say, right? Everybody says, oh, anybody can use us. Like anybody can get value. No, you know, I, I think I think if we if we if we were to focus a bit more and and zoom in uh, on the book, uh, the intended audience are people who are either building cyber cybersecurity startups, primarily at the early stage, or who are interested in build in doing it someday. You know, security practitioners, uh, CISOs, uh, marketers, product people, like somebody whose job is to build something, get something to the market, uh, get as many eyeballs and get as many customers as possible to, to start uh, using the product. So I, I would want to say anybody, but it's also not anybody. It's, I would say anybody who is in that, who fits that builder persona, somebody who is more on, I want to say on the vendor on the on the startup side, not the practitioner side. So if you are, you know, if you are a detection engineer and if you're interested in perfecting your craft and 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 you're not interested in understanding like how do how, you know how do the vendors are, you're using uh, function from the business perspective, like how the companies are built, then you're probably not going to get as much value out of it. But if you are, for example, a security practitioner who in, in his or her free time is uh, you know doing some advisory work with startups or maybe tinkering with something on the side, you can still you can still get quite a bit of value. And would you say the same thing about? I mean, there's, there's a lot of a lot of talk, especially uh, right now, about not only sort of like a lack of jobs in the industry, but also a talent shortage, right? So there's a lot of people who are still looking for these entry level roles at startups. Is this book also a good resource for those trying to get in, or is it more once you've established yourself in the industry? Yeah, I mean. I mean, transparently, you know, as an author, I would definitely benefit from having more people, you know, place their orders on Amazon and have it delivered at home. But uh, realistically speaking, I think if you are somebody who is new to the industry and is trying to get in, 
like getting an, an, an understanding of that business side of like the higher level, it may be useful, but it's probably not going to help you get the job. So uh, I would probably focus on something that's much more pragmatic, much more hands-on to get you into that first role. And then once you are at the stage where, where you've accumulated some, uh, some experience and you're good at what you're doing, and now you're starting to look outside and see, oh, interesting, I am hearing, you know, I'm hearing that my CISO, you know, my leadership team is talking to channel partners. Who are channel partners? Like, who are the resellers? Like, what is it? Like, what is this entity that we, you know, we have to uh, work with or buy products through? Like, that's when you when you start to to, to build a better understanding of of that like meta space, and that's where like cyber for builders could be useful. Probably not if you're looking for for your first job. I, I think that's great advice though as well. Like, you know, getting in is a hard part and it is a different part. Then you can establish where you are. Yeah. So I want to ask you on a, a, a kind of a personal level too, like you have clearly a lot of experience that's gone into creating this book. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are in your career? Like how is all of this led up to this wonderful piece of literature. Yes. Uh, so I'm an operator. And uh, what I mean by that, I'm a builder. I'm somebody who has been in the area of product management product management for quite some time. Uh, working, I want to say, across different industries. So I've been in e-commerce, mm-hmm. retail, wholesale, financial technology for a number of years on the B2B and the B2C side. And then... Several years ago, I became quite interested in cybersecurity. I started to read a lot. I started to, you know, to, to talk to people who are working in the industry. And then coincidentally, a good friend of mine, uh, you know, pinged me and, and asked me to join a cybersecurity startup. I've initially declined an offer. Uh, and and oh, then yeah. I've changed my mind and I ended up doing, yes. So uh, I, I, I like to tell this story because it, you know, to me, it sounds quite interesting. But when I first started to look at the industry, at, like, I want to say more more closely, what I saw was just a sea of, of abbreviations. And for somebody coming from another space, when the very first things you see are MDR, NDR, XDR, SIM, source, CSPM, DSPM, DLP, AV, you know, all of that stuff. Like it, it was a bit, it was, it sounded a bit overwhelming, but ultimately it ended up being much less so when, when, when you get closer. It's just, I want to say that if you're new to the industry, it, it, it is a bit intimidating. Yeah. Yes. So I ended up, I joined Lima Charles as a head of product. And then after, you know, several years, uh, what ended up happening was uh, because I was talking to a lot of people and I wanted to understand the industry as, you know, as, as, as much as I could, I've accumulated tens and probably even hundreds of different, you know, Google Docs and notes and charts and graphs and, and things that I would draw, you know, on the back of a napkin and then just throw it on the side of the, on the, side of the uh, desk. What I came to realize was that, well, if it took me such a long time to piece together different things and to understand how the industry functions on a macro level, maybe somebody else would benefit from that understanding as well. So I I wrote a piece, I wrote a, a short piece about about uh, I think it was about product management and product led growth in cybersecurity. I, I published it and then 
I got somehow a very positive response. So I did more of it and more of it and more of it. And at a certain point, I just ended up with a blog. And now I know it's also a weekly blog and people expect that I'm going to continue to to write. And uh, I spend my Saturday and Sunday doing exactly that, researching and uh, you know, like getting my thoughts together, getting my learnings together into uh, what I consider incredibly hard to digest and incredibly long pieces. Totally hear that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely could have used this as well. And going back to what you said about all the acronyms, oh my gosh, it is such an overwhelming mess to wade through and it's very intimidating. And, but I kind of want to ask you a little side question, which is that, do you think that acronyms do have a place in this industry. I mean, uh, acronyms have have a place in in any industry. Like they're just a natural part of of people who share the same understanding of, of problems using shortcuts to communicate with one another. So uh, to me, uh, when I talk about acronyms, I think the 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 time that they become a problem is when people use acronyms to hide the absence of their understanding of different problem areas. And and it's it sort of this problem can be seen on, on many different levels. For example, if you are, you know, if you are a marketer or if you are a founder, and instead of trying to get to the bottom and understand the problem space you're in, understand, you know, the nuances and the context around this, the very specific problem your company was started to solve, if instead of doing all of that hard work, you sort of take a shortcut and just say, you know, oh, VR, you know, XYZ, that's bad because one, it doesn't help you narrow down the problem area. It doesn't help you to build a good solution. And instead, you're building sort of a generic thing defined based on, you know, feedback from like be it an analyst firm or somebody else in the market who isn't your customer, who isn't coming to you to give you the money because you're solving a problem well. In the same way, for example, if you're a security leader and instead of trying to understand what your organization specifically needs and what are the problem areas that you should be looking to to cover or you should be looking to address. If instead of doing that, you're just going to the market and saying, oh, give me X, Y, Z, you know, the way you would go to the supermarket to say, I will get, you know, uh, a pound of apples and, you know, four bananas. Like that, if that's the same approach you're, you're taking to, to solving your security problems, like the approach of just shopping, then that's also a problem. But aside from it, of course, having a large number of abbreviations, it can create barriers to entry uh, for people who, are, who do not have that background or who, who may find it intimidating and so on and so forth. But that's frankly, like, it's it's a byproduct of any complex industry. You look at, you know, you look at biotech, you look at, you know, uh, chemical engineering, like you look at uh, like civil engineering, like any any other area, and you will see a lot of abbreviation. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, they are, I agree. They're a byproduct of the the academic and dialogue that, that just comes up in a field. Yeah, I agree. It, I'm curious though about, so if I open Cyber for Builders and I mean, are there are there chapters explaining different acronyms? Like what's you, and, and what, if if not, I, I, presumably you do explain a couple of acronyms here and there. How do you go about doing that? No? Ooh, interesting. What I came to realize is that there is no lack of literature. There is no lack of knowledge base on you know different uh, market segments or different pro you know product uh, segments or different you know categories, uh, if you will. That said, there is a lack of very basic understanding of the fundamentals. Like, how does the industry work? For example, uh, to give you an example, 
let's just say if you want to understand the buying journey in in cybersecurity, well, where do you go? You know, uh, analyst firms are going to offer you a, a perspective saying that, you know, uh, buyers of cybersecurity solutions listen to us, to analyst firms when they want to make a decision. If you're fairly new to the industry, you may take that as an answer and say, well, I guess that's just what it is. And if you do so, what you will, you will make num- a number of mistakes. First of all, not every buyer is a customer of an analyst firm. Totally. Uh, not every buyer, like not every CISO works in a Fortune 500 company. Right. Uh, the number of different, like the, the the types of the types of potential customers out there, going from SMBs, which tend to be underappreciated and and don't get as much attention, to the mid market, of which I want to say not a large percentage are subscribers uh, to you know to to the research produced by analyst firms, and then going to the you know to the up market, which tends to buy a lot through. Uh, exclusive agreements with, with, with some of the channel partners, with resellers, integrators, and right. so on and so forth. So to me, that knowledge is not necessarily easily accessible by, you know, by reading sort of more traditional market reports. Or for example, what does it take for an early stage startup to validate the problem areas it is tackling? Like what does right. it have, how does it work when you want to reach out to sisters who are super busy and who probably don't have the time to talk to you? How does it work when you have to reach out to a prospect that does not have the pre-established uh, trust relationship with you? And what you want to ask them is, what are the security tools you're using? What are the problems you're having? In which areas is your enterprise in, like not secure? So you have to ask all of those sensitive questions of People who are not your customers, who do not even know who you know who you are and like where you're coming from, you could be an attacker, or or you could be a, a prospective founder. So all of those things, essentially, there is a lot more to the industry than just market categories, and that's the area that I'm I'm trying to cover. The book itself is split, and I believe in six in six sections. So the section one looks at the security industry uh, as a whole, just talking about. You know, different aspects such as how, how is it different from, from other industries out there? And one way in which it is different it's, is that cybersecurity is not a, a vertical, it's a horizontal. So security touches every industry, every type of customer, every, you know, like every type of technology. Unlike, for example, you know, uh, ad tech, educational technology, it's, it's a vertical. It's a one, one verse, one well-scoped vertical. Talking about the fact that the adversary, like the bad actors are playing a critical role in the industry because of, of how, they, how they impact the innovation, how they impact the cycles of, of innovation, how they, how they impact the adoption and the development of new, of new products. Then from that, going to the different types of, of players in the industry, as I've said, you know, the investors, what are the different types of investors? Have, you know, what, what's similar among, among all of them? What, what's different? Looking at, different, at the trends shaping the, the, the industry today, like what's happening in the space with channel partners, what's happening with startups, what's happening you know, with security engineers, and like what role do they play in the space? I try to make it a, a well like a well written and a fairly condensed resource, but I, it's hard to say to what degree uh, I was able to accomplish it. The one, the one other thing uh, I want to say is that 
uh, I reached out to over 50 people, like security entrepreneurs, uh, operators, thought leaders, investors, and I have over 50 people who contributed their own thoughts and their own you know, perspectives to the book. So it's a bit of a, like it's obviously the majority was written by myself, but there is there are many different perspectives, some of which actually may be in disagreement with some of the things that I'm saying. That is fabulous. I love how that taps into what I see this community really thriving under, which is this open source, uh, you know, collaborative mentality that actually to share knowledge, even if you are in disagreement, is a, a key part of how we all can keep forwarding all the work that we're that we're uh, working on all the time, which kind of leads me to my next question because you know a lot of those topics that you just mentioned, whether it's threat actors or you know the who's competing in the vendor space or you know all these different aspects, how do you keep up with all of those across a giant industry that is incredibly rapidly moving? <laughs> I mean, the answer is I don't. I, I don't. I there are some areas that I am I'm interested in, and I tend to you know find like look for time to read about and, and talk to people about the areas that I'm specifically passionate about, and then hope that like all the other stuff, it's either going to somehow find me, you know, through conferences and events and 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 you know the the reading that I do and the people I talk to, or I will probably have a knowledge gap and one day I will be surprised when I hear something new. So I, I, I don't think it's reasonable to, you know, to sort of, you know, force yourself into staying, like trying to stay in touch with what's happening 24-7. I know some people, you know, some people spend their free time listening to podcasts and when they're listening, when they're not listening to podcasts, they're reading something. And when they're not reading something, they're watching, you know, movies, documentaries and, and like YouTube videos and whatever. I... Am admittedly not one of those people. I I I need like I need to you know I need some free time. I need some downtime. I need some time for my brain to not be processing content because that is really the only way I am able to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to you know to sort of stuff my my brains with as much content and as, and as much information as possible it's just counterproductive because that is not how our how our body is designed to work i am right there with you and i'm always happy to hear that from people uh, especially folks like yourself who are who are authors and have have contributed an output you know like you it's good to hear that the experience of writing something or, you know, keeping up with a blog. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing that on your weekends, but I'm glad to hear that you have free time as well. Yeah, you see, I think I think I am fortunate in that uh, very early on, what I, I decided to write long-form content. And what that means is uh, I actually, like, I, I create enough space and time for me to think about the specific problem without trying to just churn out, you know, uh, articles. And there are cases, for example, where I start I start working on an article and I realize that I have just I have nothing to say about it. So yeah. then I, I I scratch it, and uh, if it's if it's like short and if it's not comprehensive enough, I'm just not going to publish it out. When when I talk about focusing on long on long form content, what that truly means and and how that helps helps me is it forces me to build a, a fairly well-rounded understanding of the problem before I choose to talk about it. And that's, mm. that's probably one of the factors which has spared me from, you know, from the scary place the internet is today, when 
you know you can you can publish an article and then be you know be eaten alive tomorrow because the perspective you've shared is misaligned with you know with some of the things out there i think what saved me from that at least as of today thankfully was the fact that when i look at the problem when I, when i pick an angle i try to look at the problem from different perspectives and and not mm. and not make you know black and and white like very you know decisive statements because any industry is is more complex than us just saying oh this you know this is how how things work like, so when people ask me for example like what's the one problem you know you're passionate about it's like there's so many in- there's so many interesting problems in the industry like what's the one problem that needs to be solved for us to move forward there's just so many so many things that that are out there and trying to pick one and just it it's not productive i hear that i really do and and i think that honestly you are it's a refreshing take because a lot of the dialogue that we're seeing right now is around generative AI and how we create content and why we create content. And in a rapidly changing yeah, internet that will chew you up and spit you back out again, if the way that individuals as well as businesses are creating content is to just chuck a prompt into any kind of you know, large language model and churn something out. We're doing the exact opposite of what you just described, namely thinking through a problem. If we don't have anything to say, scrapping it. What's your What's your take on the existence of Gen AI this uh, in the, in 2024? Oh, I mean, I am I am very optimistic about the existence of Gen AI. I think it's an amazing tool, and and I will and I will emphasize like this specific definition. It's a great tool. It is suitable for some for solving some problems. It's less suitable for solving other problems. And when we when we look at writing, for example, uh, what we often forget is that writing is not a problem. Writing is an output. It's an outcome of somebody solving some kind of a problem. And just because somebody is writing, you you shouldn't really make an assumption of what that problem is. For some people, writing is about solving a problem of, you know, they need to they need to produce content because they want to put themselves out there, they want to build their brand and blah, blah, blah. So if that's your goal, then maybe like relying on, on automation and relying on, 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 you know, chat GPT as an example is a good way to solve it. Like if if all you're interested in is, for example, you know, publishing, you know, five LinkedIn posts a, a day, and if you've got some metrics and some KPIs out there, that is probably one way to do it. And I would argue a, a, a decently efficient way. For me, that is not the problem I've, I'm solving with writing. The problem I'm solving is first and foremost, refining my own thought process. What I find is, like, I don't remember who said this, like it, definitely not like I, I i i'm quoting somebody i don't know who that person is but somebody smart have said that i write because i don't know what i think until mm. i put it in writing and for me it sometimes is exactly that like for me to understand for me to understand the problem for me to understand you know a like the depth of 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 a specific topic it helps to you know to to take time and to look at it from different perspectives and writing is is an amazing tools for that 
Writing helps me refine my own thoughts. It helps me to condense the learnings I've had. It helps me to to extend an invitation to others to contribute mm. and help me learn something that I don't yet have, which is uh, is it's a tremendous it's a tremendous opportunity. You know, when you put out an article out uh, on on social media or like in your blog, somebody is inevitably going to reach out and say, "Hey, listen, this thing that you've said." There is another way of looking at this problem, and here is my experience. And you can only get those learnings if you invite people to contribute, if you share your thoughts and ask others what they think. A beautiful perspective on on writing, <laughs> and it's uh, I personally love it. You know, I like to write. I, though I am in marketing, I um, I really value the way that people we tag as thought leaders really what they're doing is what you have just described they are they are they're making their thoughts more available to more people they're sharing the good content that's up here via the things they write or say on a podcast or whatever it might be what's refreshing about that is that in a lot of other contexts they it's so hard to to build a a channel for yourself so i love the way that you have you've just done it right you've built a blog from nothing you've built your blog into your books and you've been blowing up my linkedin constantly for the past month or two now like you you've really grown this into something um for other folks who want to do a similar thing maybe not you know aiming to write a book or something right out of the hat but looking to work on their own thought process, working to get better at writing. Do you have any tips? Because you, you've done it, you know, you've built it all up. What was the process like? Honestly, I like if I were to if I were to put it in one sentence, just 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 like write an article, publish it. Know that the very first article you're going to publish is going to be shit. Like it's it's going to be absolutely terrible. But what's even more important than that, nobody cares. This is something that, again, this isn't just about writing. This is about just anything. You know, people overthink so much. Like people, you know, if you, for example, if you if you're a startup founder and you're thinking about building a feature and you spend hours and days, you know, think how, like, how will people receive it? How should I position it? How should it look like? Just don't. Just build it, get it out there. You will get great feedback to improve and you will be able to iterate and and and, and you will be able to get that value quicker to, to customers. In the same way, it works with writing. Really, nobody cares. It's obviously, uh, uh, unless you are just being, you know, uh, sort of artificially and intentionally controversial and trying to, you know, generate buzz and all of that stuff, which again, if that's your goal, I think you shouldn't probably be listening to me. You should probably be listening to somebody who does that thing and what they do and, and what works for them. I, I unfortunately have no playbooks and no advice there. Again, I don't think it's bad. It's just not something that I do or I've done or I know have to do. You know, I wouldn't be able to help people to become, you know, become TikTok influencers or wherever, wherever they, they're looking to accomplish. But uh, really the number one piece of advice is to just, Right. Share your thoughts if you think they're valuable. A lot of life advice could be pulled from from that. I think. Yeah. I mean, I really do. I, mean, I completely agree with you. Consistency is the number one thing. I heard a great reframe. I'll just say this as kind of an offhand thing that I hope someone out there will find useful, which was that that um, like dedication is a really high form of self love. And I feel the same way about consistency that like by showing up for yourself every day to do the thing, whether it's go to the gym, you know, diversify your bookshelf, 
get better at thinking your thoughts or writing them down. All of that is like constantly showing up for your own mind. And it helped me reframe that because if you're choosing repeatedly to not do those things, not do that consistently, well, you're you're only letting yourself down. That's 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 a very good way to put it. And you know, a, a lot of it is just about about developing a discipline and and really as my dentist uh, likes to say you don't have to floss all of your teeth, just the one you want to keep. And, <laughs> and you know, that when, when you put it that way, it really changes your, changes your perspective. You don't like, you don't have to, you know, you, you don't have to do it. Just do it for the teeth you would like to keep <laughs> and then leave the rest. That is so motivating. <laughs> I'm going to floss so much more now. <laughs> That's a good dentist right there. They should have that up on the wall. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty inspiring. I want to take us back to current reality a little bit. Speaking of more things that you know a lot about, can you tell us a little bit about your your current career? Like what what is a day in your life really like? Yes, so I, I'm a head of product at Lima Charlie. So my focus is on product management, go to market, like building things, understanding what to build, like getting it to the market, getting user feedback, and 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 doing a lot of the a lot of the things that I, I just preached, you know. Four, four minutes four minutes ago so that's exactly what my day looks like uh, like uh, talking to customers interview interviewing customers understanding their usage of the product uh, talking to prospects and people who are not using our our offerings uh, to understand like what what are the problems they're having why they they would or wouldn't be a good fit for 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 uh, what we are go- what we are offering uh, Identifying opportunities for expansion, working with developers on the day-to-day to you know to to make sure that what gets built uh, matches our expectations. So there is there is a lot of I'll say very good balance of, of strategy and and of strategic and tactical work, which is something that I, I I quite enjoy. Can I get your hot take? I mean, there have been just for example, like the the SEC regulations that just came into effect at the beginning of the year with disclosing the cybersecurity incidents. Do you think anything like that, like just even just keeping it nationally focused for a moment in terms of like the US or something, do you think regulation is a good path forward? Can you see the impact of that being useful? I can. I mean, there are definitely like, look, there are definitely going to be people who will argue that regulation is is pushing the, the culture of compliance and checking the box and just, you know, pretending that we are secure and having auditors to sign off. But the reality is that security is, like one of the ways, like I will say the most critical way, the most common way, the most powerful way through which cybersecurity is being enforced and through which uh, the best practices in security are getting the widespread market adoption is compliance and is government regulation. So the answer is definitely yes, it is useful. Uh, it is worth keeping in mind that that the, the regulations you're talking about only apply to the publicly traded companies. Yeah. And uh, not every company in the country is publicly traded. Not every institution out there has the resources to allocate to security. So there, there, there are many, there are many layers to it. I definitely do not belong to, you know, to the cohort of pessimists who believe that, you know, we are all doomed and there is just no way around it. No, I think we are moving in the right direction, and we just have to admit that the infrastructure, like the internet as a whole, was not built with security. 
in mind. Well, Ross, you've been incredibly generous with your time and your advice and your insights. Um, can you tell people where to find you and your work and your book on the internet? Yes, uh, absolutely. So VentureInsecurity.net is my blog, Cyber for Builders, The Essential Guide to Building a, a Cybersecurity Startup is available on Amazon, Kindle and paperback versions. And I'm quite active on LinkedIn as well. So if you if you are an active LinkedIn user, please connect, please follow. And uh, let's, yeah, let's, let's stay connected. Let's keep the journey going. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me on Cybersecurity Stand Up. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time out in cyberspace. Thank you so much. It, it was a pleasure. Mm -hmm.